Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Thank you guys for joining with me. It is Friday. The weekend is just around the corner, and it is a beautiful day in Anchorage. But, as many of you know, when the sun is out there, generally that means it is cold. But i got a special guest today. we got a lot to talk about. Before I get in there, I just want to let you know our goal of 150 reviews on Apple Podcast is nearly there. You guys have been incredible. We're sitting at 128. We're looking to get to 150. So if you haven't got a chance, give us just a five-star review. It takes one second on the Apple Podcast app. Well, I don't want to wait any further. Spencer Moore, the region rep for, I don't know, region referee? Is that what it is? Yep. Spencer, I've done this. We just restarted the podcast, full disclosure, because for whatever reason, the recording stopped. And I was like, hey, man, tell me what your, what your title is. Why don't you go ahead and do it again since I suck at that? Yes, I'm the Region 3 representative for the Republican Party. Uh, we just, uh, like I said, it was over Northeast Anchorage and uh, also Chugak Eagle River. <clears throat> and we had five districts here. Um, and then recently, obviously, with redistricting just taking place, we're now six districts. So looking to get all that uh, lined up, <clears throat> dialed in. And so, yeah, that's, that's what awesome. I do. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking some time. I know it's a Friday and uh, people are probably looking for the weekend here, but you've taken some time. And I want to get right into something that you know a lot about, which is your region. And I, you know, we can talk about house races and redistricting and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to focus on is the assembly, because I think right now for many Alaskans that are conservative, that have Republican views on things, uh, the, the assembly has been a, just a bane of existence for a lot of them. And we have two... Candidates, one we know is running, one potentially could be running, and I want to focus on them. So let's start with Stephanie Taylor. Stephanie Taylor is running in District Five against uh, a formidable opponent in Forrest Dunbar. Now we know Forrest ran for mayor, lost. He also ran against Don Young uh, for House and lost, but he is still in the assembly, and uh, he is part of a um, a gaggle of left-leaning Democrats on the assembly. So. What I'm asking you is you've had a lot of time to talk with Stephanie. Um, you've had some conversations with her. You got to see how she operates. So to give us an overview in your mind for the voter, uh, who is Stephanie? Why do you think she's an impressive candidate? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug your podcast, Scott, because you had her on a few weeks ago so people can learn a lot more about her uh, in going and, and listening to a, a previous podcast that you had. But just a quick plug for her. Stephanie's a great candidate. She used to be involved in Team PAC for the state of Alaska. So she has um, obviously been involved politically, not in elected office, uh, but she's a great uh, community member. She's a great listener. That's uh, one thing in many meetings I've had with her. She listens really intently, unlike some of the uh, current assembly who tend to fall asleep and play on their uh, phones. And so I just feel like she's a great listener. She would be uh, a very caring community member. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make you a great politician. So one of the things I do think she has is great communication skills and leadership skills. I've seen her in the setting uh, at some of her events and some other things, and she's a great leader as well. I do think um, she is, uh, like I said, Forrest Dunbar, everybody knows that name. 
Um, I do think uh, she's doing really well with the team that she has around her. I think uh, the, the money's flowing in pretty well for her. So uh, I would say, you know, if you are a conservative in Anchorage, I would, I would uh, check out Stephanie for AK. I believe it's her website. Uh, give her a, a check out, you know, if you're on the east side of town here. Um, and, and if you can donate to her campaign, donate or, or get involved. See how you can be a volunteer for, for her team. Listen, we, we've got to replace some of these assembly members uh, that are just absolutely uh, killing our city. So, and she is a, a pro-jobs, uh, pro-economy, um, great uh, candidate that, that I'm, I'm excited about supporting. Not many people I'm excited about voting for and supporting but Stephanie's one of those few people that I am both excited to vote for and personally support. Um, and I'll probably end up volunteering for her as well uh, in wherever she needs. And that's kind of what we need our, our local community members to do is, hey, you know, where can I help? Right. So I know that she, when she was on the podcast, one of the things she did talk about was her, her political views, particularly as a conservative, somebody who's looking at a, a worldview of the conservatism that seems to be lacking on the assembly. And uh, one of the things I was impressed with her about is she's, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. Being able to communicate well is a really special gift, especially in today's time. And she seems like she does that very well. Uh, the other thing that's really interesting is how do you think she stacks up against Forrest just in the sense of District 5? Like, I know Forrest has a, um, obviously he's gotten garnered a lot of support. I know the last time he ran, he ran and, and had over 8,000 votes. For him, District 5 is a hit or miss district when it comes to voting. Sometimes people get out and vote, sometimes they don't. And more particularly, this is probably a better question for you, Spencer. Um, it's pretty well known that mail-in voting really leans to the support of Democratic candidates. I think I always tell my uh, the listeners here on Must Read Alaska, I have like a gift that shows the 2016 election and each state, how many electoral votes a candidate would get just based on mail-in voting. If Donald Trump would receive one. Hillary would receive the rest hmm. just by mail-in voting. Right. So how, how can – I always try to encourage people that listen to this who are conservative Republican, vote. you got to vote. Yeah, I, I think the last election we had somewhere like seven between 17 and 19 percent, and that was pre-pandemic um, assembly race right. back in 2020. Um, and I So it was between 17 and 19 percent of the population. So if that trend stays true – uh, I think that that probably is a pr is a problem. Yeah. Um, I do think that people over the past year and a half, though, have begun to take note of what's happening in our city. Mm -hmm. You know, specifically what our assembly members are actually doing, um, because the things that they're doing are affecting our lives, our businesses, our um, our health, yeah. things like that. So it's, it's a lot more intrusive than it was probably a year and a half ago. So I would hope that that seventeen to nineteen percent would be. <laughs> Even if we got five to ten percent bump on that, yeah. um, I think that that would be a uh, a huge win. So getting out the vote, obviously, it's different when it's not a, vo a you know a day, yeah. like you said, mail-in ballots. So getting people to return them, I do think this is a problem for conservatives, specifically because of your comment on you know the confidence in yeah. mail-in uh, uh, ballots. But just like Dave Bronson, you know what? We still have to use the process that we have. Um, I'm not saying we can't look for ways to tweak it and fix it, sure. uh, but we've got to use what we have. So coming up this April, it's it's not going to be any different. But you know what? Let's put a couple of conservatives in office and let's get some legislation passed that 
you know, maybe it takes it to back to an election day, not this process of two weeks and, you know, we're going to count, you know, whenever. It just Post marks and get it in. Right. If it doesn't, it's just a mess. It, it is a mess. I, I did see something in the mail come the last couple of days about something yeah. about you can now track it with your phone and you can get text alerts and different things like that. So I don't know. I mean, it looks like there might be ways that they're trying to. Uh, you know, well, it was the debacle. G- give give a bone. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, judo, judo's the first way to a mail-in election, right? And it just it, it was terrible. I think they said uh, if we looked at it, about eight percent of the total votes were not counted based on a USPS issue. Yeah. So they didn't vote didn't even count. Right. I, I think you're right. Two things. Number one is I think conservatives have, and it's since the 2020 election. Uh, and, and by the way, by the way, I gotta say this. It's ironic, and, and everybody in this podcast knows I love to point out the hypocrisy of the left. In 2016, how many people were harping about Russian interference, the election's rigged, blah, 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 blah. As soon as the tables were turned, and Biden wins by 80 million, had 80 million votes. Best, well, most popular president ever. 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 My, ever. Not anymore, but most popular president at the time. Um, when conservatives or Republicans have a problem with the voting process, it's like, oh, you guys are conspiracy theorists. Let alone the Russian thing has turned out to be an absolute hoax. I just have to point that out. But I think you're right. Yeah. Conservatives have a problem with the election integrity. And the second thing is this. There's nothing that's going to change until conservatives are elected in. So you may not like the process now, but utilize the process now so that you can get conservative voices on the assembly. Because right now you have one and a half one and three fourths. Crystal usually votes on the conservative side, but sometimes she doesn't. You got that. So you've got a super majority, and that's not going to change. Repealing and rolling back mail in voting is not going to change until you have a majority of conservative um, candidates, or I should say officials. Correct. Would Correct. you agree with that? I mean, Correct. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And one more thing to Stephanie Taylor before we move on here. One more, one more prediction. Um, I, I'm not in the prediction business. Obviously, I'm not into polling and all this different stuff. I just have a feeling, um, and, and I might be wrong, but I have a feeling that the Stephanie Taylor election could be a Kathy Giesel effect from, from last election when Roger Holland, kind of, you know, not, not many people knew a lot about him. Right. Big time race, and Kathy got absolutely smoked. And I, I just, I find that interesting. Obviously, yeah. she was... You know, not well liked from the district because of the decisions she was making. And now um, it seems to be playing on the Democratic side right now. It does, it does, and I think so. I, 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 I don't want to predict that same effect, but sure. I think Forrest Dunbar is one of those legislators uh, in the Assembly that are specifically, you know, he's done some things, said some things. Uh, you know, he's disrespectful to the to the voters who are coming and testifying, and it just has this attitude about him, and this, it's just, you know. I don't have time for this, you know, right. kind of feel. And so I just, I feel like the, you know, if she can campaign well, okay, I think that that's, it could potentially have that effect. Right. Um, that Kathy Giesel effect, if you will, sure. like in the Roger Holland race. So again, I'm not in the predictions business. I just, I have that feeling right. that if she runs a good race, that it could have that effect for the, again, the turnout's going to be everything though. Absolutely. So Well, people can't forget, you can't have short term memory when it comes to, I mean, just recently, the fact that they snuck in a special meeting that was just for the business they had to get done, and then all of a sudden they're voting on an emergency ordinance for masking, which, by the way, we talked about yesterday, that Providence has now dropped their uh, emergency kind of procedures now. They're not doing that anymore, so we'll see how that goes. 
All right, let's talk about Joe Wright. Many people, I don't know if they know about Joe Wright, but Joe Wright's out in Eagle River. Yes. Uh, he, he filed, but we don't know what he's filing for yet, correct? Correct. Okay, and so one of the things that he could be filing for is assembly, and that's the District 2 seat, which is held currently by Crystal Kennedy. And if you're unfamiliar, Crystal's going to uh, write out her term, which uh, the election, again, is in April of 2022, so next year. It's coming up quick, trust me. But uh, she's, not re- she's, not up for, she's not going for re-election. She's mm-hmm. done. So Joe is a potential candidate, and you, have, you actually know Joe. I, I do. I do know Joe. Joe's a great guy. Um, he's a great leader. Uh, I do think he would make a great assembly person. Uh, I do. Th- I mean, again, I don't know what office necessarily he's going to file for. Um, he's, I think he's put in for uh, or a letter of intent for yeah. both uh, municipality and state. So that could, that's three different offices, honestly. It could right. be, could be a Senate, could be House, could be Assembly. So we'll see where the where the cards fall. Obviously, redistricting has played a lot into a lot of different people deciding <laughs> right. to jump back in the race now. That, including now, Kathy. Now that, uh, including Kathy, yeah. She's uh, she's got a new uh, renewed vigor here that they've redrawn the lines. And who knows? It might be in her favor now. So um, so anyway, so we'll, we'll just see kind of where things go from here. I think he's got his, his um, you know, just kind of keeping, you know, his, his – cards kind of to himself right now but I do want to say I think Joe's a great guy I think he'll make a great representative for the Eagle River community um, I do think he's a he's a great leader he's been on a lot of different uh, community uh, things I think he's actually a community council president or, yeah. or whatever the whatever the top dog uh, director executive director yeah of yeah president of president of, the, of his community council there so he's very involved in his community um, and so I think I think he would actually do really well. Um, I think he knows the issues of, of the community. Um, I believe he's former military. Um, just a great guy. I think he would be a, a great candidate to represent Eagle River. So. I definitely think it'd be vital for Eagle River to have two strong conservatives. Now that's nothing against Crystal. I know, you know, this is the same thing we'll talk about. You know, Don Young. Don Young gets kind of bagged on because he he reaches across the aisle. Uh, whether you like that or not is really <laughs> your perspective. But, uh, you know, Crystal has been one of those, I'll, I'll reach across the aisle at times to try to build some form of racial equity. The thing that I find just troubling about it is that there's no re- reciprocity there. Right. There's really no reciprocity. So you have to be a staunch, really strong conservative. Jamie Allard has shown that in terms of she's sticking to her guns and she's not going to vote against her, uh, her viewpoint. So having two strong conservatives in the assembly would be great. And, of course, Stephanie on this side in District 5 would be a great addition as well. You'd have, you know, I think another strong woman in there for conservative viewpoints and, you know, ideals, and I think that'd be great. And having Joe, if he intends to run for assembly, to have that same... I mean, you just got to build, right? You do. That's the point. I think people want all or nothing. And in politics, it's really the long game. You got to be able to build. We talked about this when you and I, at full disclosure, helped Monty out when he ran. And, uh, that was the thing we always had to remember, even though we were sort of wet behind the ears here in Alaska. Uh, it's the long game. You just got to get one in, one in, one in. So one of the things I think is interesting I want to talk to you about, Spencer, is uh, you know Governor Dunleavy. I think what I talked about the other day is we, we're involved in echo chambers, particularly on social media. And social media in the form of Twitter and Alaska Twitter is very much like Democrats, news reporters – talking about how crappy Don Young is, how crappy uh, all the elected Republican officials are. And, and the two specific is Bronson and, and Governor Dunleavy. Those are the two they love to harp on. I mean, anything they do. But 
well, a recent poll that came out, and uh, we talked about this on the, the previous show, shows that his popularity is at 57%. <laughs> and let me give you some perspective on that. He's at 57%. DeSantis is at 40, or, uh, 52% in Florida. And then you have Governor Abbott in Texas at 50%. Now, I don't know the, the methodology for the poll, and I know when I told you that early on, you were like, how is that even possible? DeSantis is on fire. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Florida, are, you, are you sure that wasn't like a Democrat-run poll there? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. <laughs> but, but the point is this. We, if you just read social media in your echo chamber, you think that you know Dunleavy is a dud, and that's just not the case. People actually like him. And one of the particular things they liked about is how he's handled the pandemic and COVID-19. What are your thoughts on how he's handled that? So I do think he's done pretty well. Um, I think that at the beginning when, he, when we went under – the emergency order, obviously, it was so unknown to everyone. And I do think he did pretty well <clears throat> with mitigation plans and different things like that. And I do think that he he will say this, and, and I agree with him, he did do a really good job of uh, being one of the first states to pull out of the emergency order. Uh, and obviously, we you know, our airport went, to, went away from testing, <clears throat> obviously. Um, and so he did some good things. Obviously, he, yeah, you know, for those who support uh, or, or wanted the vaccination, he was able to give them access to that. Early um, on. Correct. One of the first states to allow well, 16 and up. Right. One of the first states to do that. So he, he gave early access to that um, for those who wanted it. Um, and so I, I think he made all the resources available, like testing and everything, that, that our state needed. Um, and so I do think that he doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, now, I mean, you can be either side of the aisle on, you know, uh, different treatment options and things like that, but I do think he's made available what what needs to be available. Um, I do think that um, he, yeah, and I, I think that's probably a reason for his, you know, uh, the criticism from the left is because that you know the other states are locked down much more and they have a lot more California, strict, New yeah, York. correct, strict policies and things like that. And we see that those strict policies really don't help the numbers uh, go down. Uh, whether it's lockdowns or masks or whatever, you know, they just don't really push the needle when it comes to getting the numbers down. So he's he's allowed it, or he's he's given the Alaskans the freedom to be able to choose, you know, what's best. You know, obviously we have more knowledge of it now. Uh, a lot of things come out about, you know, whether it be mask ineffectiveness or okay, well we know that you know the. The vaccine doesn't stop the you know transmission. So there's just so many things that we know now that we didn't know in right. March of 2020 when this thing blew up and it was you know 14 days to you know to stop this thing and now we're you know 14 months yeah. or whatever the number is. And so anyway, so I do think he he did a good job of returning us back to normal. Obviously, it's hard. We talked about this a little bit, but the standard now from conservative governors is is DeSantis in Florida, and I think that. Um, you know, some people expect him to just executive order off everything. Um, different state, different rules. Right. It's different state, different rules. I think he's kind of hamstrung in that a little bit mm. um, just because I don't think that's the way our state constitution is structured to right. be able to do that, to be able to just override cities and say, you are not teaching critical race theory. You are not going to mask or, you know, ma mandatory vaccinations and mandatory masks. And, you know, he, he's not he's not able to do that. Now, I'm not saying that he's done everything and he's played all of his cards uh, I'm not saying that by any means I'm not getting, putting him off the hook here I am saying though I think our state constitution is structured different than Florida and I think that that makes it a little different so yeah I do think his popularity is is decent um, 
I think he's got a good chance to, you know, to run for re-election or to win in re-election. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my, my yeah. thoughts on on Dung Levy. I think he, I think he, um, you know, some people would like him to, to be more conservative in in certain areas. Um, like I said, I just don't know if it's structured in a way that. And, and you know, it might be the team he's got around him. I, I don't know. It might yeah. it might be those advising him because again, a leader is a lot of a leader is who you put around you. Sure. And if, if you, you know, and here's a cheesy statement that. Uh, that was told to me, but how do you soar like an eagle when you when you work with a bunch of turkeys? You know, I mean, that might sound cheesy, but that North Carolina draw. It, it, it is that that might that might be in North Carolina coming out on me. But you know, how are you able to be a good leader if you have those working around you that are not able to push you to the caliber of being a great leader? I mean, you look at Donald Trump's. You know, the, the people he used to put around him in the, in the cabinet were were high caliber, usually private business people that that came in that were successful, not these cronies and when you bring on these cronies and these people who've been in the political business their entire life they're not necessarily great at thinking outside the box and that's kind of what you have to do nowadays to be an effective leader so yeah it's interesting you know i think you know governor dunleavy has done a great job speaking about the pandemic specifically about uh leading with people's liberty and freedoms before anything else i mean the man has been pressured by Every entity, from the assembly to the legislator, for mandatory statewide vaccinations or mandatory statewide uh, masking, whatever it may be, he's been pressured and, and has said no. He's not doing that. Um, I do understand the popularity for that. People want freedom, regardless of actually you're a Democrat. Particularly if you're more centrist in the left side of that that center, you you really appreciate. It. I've talked to numerous people that are not going to vote for uh, that didn't vote. For Forrest and voted for Bronson for that very issue, but tend to vote Democrat or blue right. most of the time. Um, you know, as far as I'll be interested to see how, how the next year works with Dunleavy, and I think he's got a lot of really smart policy people in place right now that I've I've had a chance to like speak with. And the ironic thing, Dunleavy is far more conservative than the Santos, believe it or not, in the policy <laughs> realm. We just need. I think people want to see like right. I think. And, I, I think people need the evidence of that in in the form of getting things accomplished, or at least you know? being told what is going on. I think sometimes, or getting a vision, right? Yeah, I think sometimes the, the the biggest blunder to some of that is not actually letting your people know, "Hey, I've done this. This has already been enacted," or whatnot. So uh, it'll be interesting to to see moving forward. But let's go to a, uh, more of a state rep uh, for us, uh, Don Young. Don Young has kind of been. Well, it depends on, on what your viewpoint is politically on this, but Don Young, as yesterday we talked about, voted for an, a national vaccine database. And I didn't spend a lot of time talking about Don in that particular thing. I spent most of my time talking about the database because I think it is absolutely wretched. I think it is a, a, a setup. Everything's always a setup, right? And anytime you know a, an entire country's uh, the populace's vaccination status, I, it just makes me uncomfortable. Like, we have medical privacy laws, HIPAA's a part of that, and the two things on this that I'll just ask your opinion on is, the rep that, that introduced this bill is from, is from New Hampshire, and I, I can't remember, I think Custer is her last name, and, and this is her explanation. The two reasons why this needs to happen, this $400 million um, project to increase infrastructure, and get all the data collected and parsed out is, number one, 
one of the main reasons she wants to do this is so that they can, I guess the word would be text, but so they can alert through text when the individual is in need of a vaccine. That was actually an explanation. The number two explanation is to provide more vaccination resources, meaning the vaccine itself, to populations who are not, that show low vaccination rates. In other words, to give the vaccine to areas that are not highly vaccinated. And as I talked to you off the air before we started uh, recording, those two solutions, those two solutions to what is perceived as the problem, don't make sense to me. And I'm going to set this up, and I want you just to take the reins and run with it. Number one, who is making the recommendation that you need to get a vaccine or a booster through that test? Because I can tell you this, the doctor's not. That's a federal database. So those are federal ideological uh, assumptions that are being made that, hey, Spencer, you need to go ahead and get your booster. Or, hey, we noticed that you don't have your COVID-19 vaccine. You know, number 40 now, it seems like. You need to go get that. First of all, why should the government know that? Second, the second explanation was so that vaccinations can be brought to lower-rated vaccination areas. So vaccinations that need to go to areas that show low vaccination rates. That has never been a narrative up until right now. And I said this yesterday. The narrative has always been the vaccine's out and yet people are not getting vaccinated. Why? They have, they have plenty of access. And to me... It is just a backwards way of continuing to push that narrative, which is like, oh, we're going to go to the lowest vaccinated areas and provide them resources. Analogous to, we're going to the lowest uh, school systems to give them resources. That's actually not what's going to happen. I'm curious what you think about this, this database. It's a lot to unpack. <clears throat> I think the vaccine database, it just sounds to me like, you know, like a gun control you know, gun registry database where, hey, we can, we can separate the citizens based on, oh, this person is a, is a pro-Second Amendment. Oh, this person's an anti-vaxxer. This person is a, you know, instead of just saying, you know what, in America we have freedom. And according to the Constitution, you have a, a freedom to be able to say, okay, this is what, you know, this is a freedom of speech. This is a freedom of religion. This is a freedom of, you know. Assembly, whatever. Assembly, whatever you're, you're argument is there. I think that Health and Human Services, the CDC, all those, like, what, what's the purpose of collecting this data? I, again, what's the purpose? Okay, are, 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 we, are we second-rate citizens, you know, if, if we don't get the vaccine? Are we, are we um, top-tier citizens if we're vaccinated? Are, if, are we, what is the, what's the reason behind that? Sure. Because they haven't been worried about, you know, th this hasn't been done in the past, you know, when we had other things like this. So there's something, again, th this has been a Trojan horse for pretty much everything. It sounds to me like the introduction of the social credit score that China has introduced many years ago, which was, hey... Uh, and if, now Canada has introduced it. Right. If you play nice in the sandbox and do what we say, then you are uh, this kind of citizen and you get extra stars or extra whatever benefits, benefits yeah. if you will. And you are a higher class citizen because of your choice to you know, whatever, uh, go along and play by our rules. So, anyway, so that, that, that obviously that little alert goes off in my mind when I hear, uh, you know, vac vaccination database. I think the other thing is, so, so we're going to get this alert, right? We're going to get, so they're going to know and they're going to be reminding us. So what, what happens when the reminders are come and, and then they're ignored? Right. Well, you know, well, we've, we've sent you three reminders. Now we're, 
sending one to your sending somebody to your house right, right. to follow up or we're we're here we're the government and we're here to help you you know right. i mean again that Very sounds overwhelming. sounds like it sounds like an, a, a reagan prediction that was yeah. kind of scary right yeah. um I, I think the other thing is provide vaccination resources was the second thing you yeah. said there and let me just say that there has never been a short supply of vaccination resources if you need to find a vaccination place they are it is literally everywhere. You watch a video on YouTube, and guess what? You'll find out where to go get vaccinated. You go down the street. I've seen si yard signs and signs on clinics and signs on, you know, get get your vaccination here and do this and that. I mean, this has been the Every biggest, retailer, biggest right? marketing campaign in the yeah. history of mankind has been, if you need your vaccine, here's where you get it. And I think people know by this point in time. And the other thing is it's free. Yeah. So when you talk about getting it to these locations that are not, or not vaccinated in the percentages that they're looking for, it's not because they don't have the resources, it's because the people have chosen to say, you know what, I don't feel like I need it. And I think that's not, that goes against their narrative. They think, well, something has to be, you know, we have to put more resources there. Right. I don't think that's the answer. It's just like throwing, it's just like the government throwing more money at an issue that doesn't necessarily need more money. And they do that with, with almost everything. And that's how the government gets bigger and, you know, obviously just pork belly packages that they push that aren't necessarily effective. And so I think that's exactly what they're doing here. So the alert kind of scares me and the, the, the vaccine, re, the, you know, vaccine resources, I don't think you can give any more resources at this point. I mean, that's just yeah. – so for Don Young to vote for this, I, I, he's made a couple votes lately that just make me feel like – these are votes as if you would want to retire. I just, I don't know. Like with the infrastructure bill that he voted for, this vaccine database, I just don't think these are issues that Republicans are going to be very excited about. You know, I think that, and, and we just mentioned there's a lot of Democrats that aren't even excited about, uh, you know, this vaccine database or, or, you know, mandates. You know, people people want freedom. And I just, I, I think freedom is one of the planks of the Republican platform. Um, and I, I just, I don't know how you rationalize that with some of these votes. Um, you know, there might be something good that could come out of this, but I don't see it. Right. And so I might be nearsighted here and not see the benefits to this. I just see <clears throat> the, the introduction of communism into America, which has been <clears throat> a very vast introduction. <laughs> we're, well, we're, yeah. If we're not halfway there. It's definitely a radical left uh, viewpoint. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a couple of things that I want to hear your, your comments on. Number one is this. The only way they really are going to know what areas... So that second thing, like, hey, we want to provide resources to areas with low vaccination rates, is by this database. Because they can start to pinpoint more selectively where people are not getting vaccinated. So, like you said, maybe flyers show up on your door. You get those text alerts. And people think, oh my gosh, there's no way they're going to do this. Maybe they just stop your bank account from working. You know, there are other things that the government can't do. I mean, look at the what the, the president was trying to do with the bill to have... The IRS look into your bank account if you had six hundred bucks or more, like which should be most citizens, you know, right? So that's probably at least, yeah, <laughs> you know, ninety percent of citizens right there. Yeah, and at least at one point or another, right? It's, right. And I don't even know what the bill. Totally I bet said. you. I bet you. There's lots of teenagers who have six hundred dollars in their bank sure. account. You know. So what, what's the purpose? There? So if we're allowing the you know the IRS to have a, a sweeping view of private citizens' bank accounts, what's to prevent you know the the, the Health and Human Services Department from just saying, like, hey, 
we've texted you three times. We're going to go ahead and shut this down until you respond. You know, and I, everybody says, oh, that'll never happen. Well, people said that, oh, it'll never happen, that the government will reach into your bank account. Well, I think, I think right now what you see in Australia, if you've been you know, keeping track of, of some of the things they've got there, whether these are these quarantine camps, I like to call them concentration camps, they're absolutely just devastating. They, they're saddening. I've watched videos of people who get, you know, get COVID or whatever, they, you know, they test positive, I don't know. And they're in these quarantine camps. They're in these concentration camps where they can't leave. They're virtually prisons. Yeah. Uh, they're scary, and they're 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 you know again a lot of people thought oh it's Australia the, the boys over there down under, and uh, you know and next thing you know they're they're straight communists now, like they're not playing around. Uh, I mean and and, and and their and their vaccination rates a lot higher than here in the United States is from what I understand. So to me, we look at Germany. Germany just said they're going <clears> to <throat> lock down only unvaccinated people. Yeah, and 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 people are absolutely you know their minds blowing up because of this new variant and we've got i think probably a hundred cases in the world right now if if that's even a, a thing probably i don't know i'm not going to debate that but you know so so everyone's so worried about this new variant and Omicron, yeah Omicron. yeah 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 sounds like a transformer or something i mean i don't know where they're coming up but with the scientists that found names. in south africa said that the symptoms are fairly mild yeah it's fairly mild so so we're going to blow up and we're going to you know we're going to crash the world again. We're going to lock down. We're going to, you know, quarantine camps. It's, it, you know, people have to wake up and realize that they're, they're not going to stop here. You know, it's very, they're going to go through the, the alphabet with the variants and then they're going to start back over. And uh, it just, it's, it's absolutely incredible what, what, what we've allowed and, and, and where we've come. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's go ahead because I know we've been talking for a while. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, Joe has... I watched actually his speech for the first time. I've listened to quite a few of his speeches and his comments, but I've actually watched it for the first time. And, I'm sorry. And, well, it's frightening. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The man does not look good at all. If you, John Young looks like a triathlete compared to what Joe Biden looks like. And it's scary and it's frustrating. And then you li- listen to Jen Psaki uh, just essentially stand up there and lie. Uh, press sec- I mean, talk about press secretaries lying sh- just straight out. I mean, she is – she takes – the gold medal for that. And, uh, of course, Joe's, you know, rating is below 38%. Kamala Harris is essentially toxic nuclear when it comes to her rating below 28%. And her uh, her staff are quitting left and right. Which I find that hard to believe because, again, I mean, this guy got, you know... 80 a, million votes. Yeah, oh, more than that. I mean, goodness gracious. He's, he's the most popular president that we've had in the history of the United States, right? I mean, well, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I got my numbers wrong. According to the vote count, yes. Okay, vote count. <laughs> so anyway, so he's the most popular president. And I mean, today the, the job numbers came out. It was supposed to be projected 550,000 jobs, and we got about 200,000. And it's like uh, the stock market, you know, obviously reacting to that. But <clears throat> that's just, I mean, that's just typical Joe Biden, right? Or, or his policies, I should say. And, and the things he's putting forward. The, the economy under Joe Biden is just absolutely... I mean, if he would have, if he would have come into office and done nothing, the the economy would have been fine. Yeah. But you you come in and you start pulling plugs and you start cutting you know uh, deals and, and different things that are absolutely moratorium on, <coughs> on legally bought leases up in Anwar. Right. I mean, you start doing the things that you're doing economically, and you're going to absolutely kill the growth. And you've seen that this this year is not it's not because of COVID. I mean, obviously we were doing a great job recovering. It's called. Killing job opportunities, putting regulations, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, we're going to put this controversial you know, mandate out to where you know, airlines and different companies are, with over 100 employees are going to have to start firing employees if, unless they get vaccinated and just creating you know, a two-tier system within the workplace now, you know, military, all of it, right? Yeah. And so you just have so many things that are economic disasters. And, and why would you even be involved in those things? Like, what's the purpose? If you, like I said, if they would have come in and done nothing, the economy would be probably sailing along just fine right now. But again, you come in there and you, you, you know, throw sand in the gears and you wonder why your economy looks the way it does right now. Well, um, inflation. Time, we didn't even talk about inflation, but yeah. I mean, obviously, the job numbers, inflation, I, I, everything. I mean, gas prices—they're bragging about and they're excited about two cents, you know, down on their <laughs> gas prices when it's risen a dollar since the since that, the days of Donald yeah. Trump. And so, um, and I'm not saying the president is the only one that affects the gas prices, but when you cut off the the, the pipelines and you and, and, and you kill all that stuff, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to have an effect. For so, sure. Yeah, and I think, Joe, listen, the irony is, is that Joe's people just a week and a half ago were touting year-over-year job growth has been has been phenomenal. It's been, you know, our presidency has shown year-over-year job growth. Well, the problem with that is, is that in 2020, everybody was losing their job because we were shutting down. So when you shut down and people lose their jobs and then they get rehired in 2021, that's not job growth. That's not exponential job growth. That's just... Coming back to work is essentially what well, that is. and and I think that not enough people. I mean, when you think about the amount of businesses that had to close their doors during 2020, when just in Anchorage. Well, yeah, we'll talk about locally, but just think about nationally for a minute. We talked about the job numbers; they, they were 300, and I think it was like 340 thousand under what it was under projection. Okay, that's that is enough. That in my mind is a reflection of of businesses closing. Right. Okay, so we're getting ready to go into the holiday season that's supposed to be, you know, UPS and, and, and FedEx and all these, you know, all these companies, retail. You're supposed to be hiring seasonal employees to help really bolster up before the holiday season. And you have this rush of, you know, Black Friday shopping and Christmas shopping and all this different stuff. So that's when you have a lot of seasonal employees that are hired. And so to, to miss 340, miss on a number of 340,000 jobs nationwide just shows you that, okay, you've got small businesses that are, that are not recovering from the pandemic or, or they're completely gone, right? Businesses that are completely shut down. Um, again, you know, Walmart and, and Amazon, those guys are fine. You know, those guys weathered the storm because they didn't shut the doors. They didn't, you know, those were the guys that actually thrived during this time. Here they were years. exempt across the nation, actually. Uh, you know, you, you can't go to church. You can't go to, you know, this place, this place. You can't go to your restaurant. But guess what? You can go to Walmart where there's... Or your pot shop or your liquor store. Or whatever, Right. So anyway, so it's just it's just a, in the words of Donald Trump, it's a disaster. <laughs> there you go, like a good Trumpian. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting that Biden, it, the Biden crew, is just trying to tout anything spectacular to to boost the ratings. I mean, people have this is the problem I have with with just the news cycle. We've already forgot about the unmitigated disaster of Afghanistan. Oh yeah. I mean, people don't even talk about that anymore. But the fact that there were still thousands of Americans trapped. In that country, and Joe Biden is sitting here, and his people are touting, "Hey, we've had the, the best year-over-year job increase." Well, it's not really job increase, like we talked about, when people are just actually getting able to go back to work and make a living, right. and then you miss your job projections by three hundred forty thousand. And he's doing that month after month, though, missing projections. Absolutely, it's and not it's, it's, the supply chain issue, right? Which things are just sitting out there, and right. people are like, "Okay, why does milk cost an extra?" 
you know, 18% higher than it was last year. Well, well shipping costs are going up because, again, trucker shortages and other things that you're having, you know, just the whole economy is just, it's not, it's not humming right yeah. now. It's, like you said, it's grinding. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's not pretty. And there's so many things like that. One example of Afghanistan, which is probably the biggest one, but there's so many examples like that of this administration doing things that are, that are not good, and, they, and the media just buries them. You know, oh, sure. but if anything comes up, like of course this Rittenhouse case, and they just cover it every day for twenty four hours a day. Versus the car who ran into the right. parade of people. Oh, it wasn't a guy that drove the car. It was no. just just the car. It was yeah. that bad red car. And, and you think about, you know, they, they just absolutely bury anything that goes against their narrative so quickly. I mean, yeah. it's 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 just like the censorship on on social media or the internet. You can't search for things, you know, and, and be able to find. It's not free information anymore. It's no. selected for you. Here's what you can. Here's what you can see. And I think people are, are having enough of it. I think people are, For sure. are just getting tired of it. You know, just be, be fair. You, you know, know? We, we talked about the fact that uh, mainstream media and legacy newspaper media uh, have, have shown themselves to be exactly what they are, which is not objective journalism, big J. It is subjective, little J journalism that's pushing whatever narrative, they, what seemingly is the left-leading um, Democratic Party wants them to push it. We talked about Rittenhouse. We talked about this absolute devastation in, uh, with uh, this guy running through this this parade. But it, it goes down from there. I mean, we talked about the opinion page in the ADN being sort of, sort of Scott Kendall's personal you know pen pal to talk about how much he hates Bronson and, and Dudley. It's just you know, and again, I don't know if they're just not getting in the case of ADN the opposing side. But when you just continually print, if you look at the ADM page right now, the opinion section, I guarantee you 92% is going to be just about how awful Republican leadership is. That's it. That's it. Right. So, again, I 100% agree with you. And listen, I think we run out of time. Spencer, we're going to have you on again. This is good. People like it when you're on, man. You just <laughs> kind of spin your facts and, and, and share kind of this really – a conservative Republican-based viewpoint and spinning facts. I thought we were just chewing the fat. Chewing the f- whatever you want to do, man. All right, man. All right, but that's, uh, what, that's what we do back then. That's what we do back in North Carolina. But that's you right. It's interesting. I'm going to ask you this. We'll close on this. Okay. Virginia, Pennsylvania, at some level, New Jersey, because the governor's race in New Jersey was closer than it should have been, or at least it was projected. You're seeing this movement of conservative, Republican, we'll call it a red wave, but it hasn't hit yet. Like, I can't call it a wave until midterm elections come and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're gaining seats in the Senate and in the House and in state government like you would. But there seems to be this sentiment of, I'm tired of what I've been getting, and if that's not working, why not go this way? It was sort of what Donald Trump got in 2016, yep. right? It's like, you know, these guys are awful, vote for me. And then always like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Drain the swamp. You know, whatever. It's a terrible Trump accent on the top. But <laughs> the point is, there seems to be a building of a potential wave. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts well, on Well, I, I think that that wave is already has already been built by legacy, uh, I'll just say Democrats, but, but also Republicans who <laughs> are not necessarily popular uh, for their recent votes. Uh, one being the uh, impeachment of a guy who wasn't even in office. Okay, so th- there was a there was this 
know, so you've got these you know, Republicans that voted this way. You've got legacy Democrats who have been there for years, and we're talking 20, 30, 40 years, who are saying they're not running again. They're retiring, right? Well, if you've got a, Repul or if you've got a Democrat in office in the presidency, you hold the Senate and the House, this should be, this should be your, just, your time to just come together and, and just make your Democrat dystopian you know, future. This, this, this would be a dream come true, but for them to be throwing in the towel... When you have all three branches, something doesn't something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, so when you talk about a red wave in Virginia being kind of the start of that, I do see it. I do see, it. and I think a lot of people are seeing. Okay, we're sick and tired of this. Yeah. We want something different. I, I think people, you know, were assuming that we were going to have better election results in the in the past presidential election, and you know, meaning some of the Senate seats in Georgia that we, you know, didn't win or whatever. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of started to see a little bit of that. You know, obviously Congress picked up a couple seats. But I just see with the amount of people, it's almost like every day or two you see another Democrat that's been there forever is not going to run again. And yeah. I just – to me that sounds like they understand. Get out, get out on a high note. Get out on a high note and before you just absolutely get hammered in a primary from – just like that New Jersey truck driver who raised $153, recorded his – campaign, uh, you know, video, promotional video on his iPhone and beat the top uh, New Jersey Democrat Senate leader. That's the kind of world we're living in right now. You know, people just are well, tired of yeah. the status quo and career politicians that do absolutely nothing to, to benefit their life. We're, we're not talking about, you know, populist ideas anymore. We're talking about partisan po political Garbage is, is is basically what's getting shoved down our throat. So I, I think people are ready for a change. They're ready for a, you know something fresh, something new. Let's work with the people, you know. And I think that was introduced a few years ago, and I think people are just are ready for that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think we talked about it too. You know, the fact that DeSantis has been so like hot in terms of as a as a governor and as uh, obviously uh, a person who's going for re-election in Florida for the governorship that. That the Democrats have completely pulled all the money out of Florida. Yeah. There, there's no reason that they even want to like support any candidate going against them because you know he's out there, he's on national news, he is actively fighting against the Biden administration, has made it known. And and I personally think that Dunleavy is that type. I actually do think Dunleavy is the type that would stand out. Now, he's not in the national news, but he certainly has jumped on a lot of these lawsuits that have yes. that has been big wins for Alaska in terms of for example, the first one was stopping the mandate for vaccination, period. The second one was stopping uh, healthcare workers from being forced to get that. That was just recently. Right. Those have got to be touted more because that's the stuff he's jumping on with DeSantis and a lot of these other governors that are red hot in the, in the news right now. And, and if he wants that, in my opinion, if, if the re-election becomes a little bit easier for him, when people start to realize their governor's fighting for their freedoms, not necessarily against them. Right. And I think he's got to be a little bit more vocal, too, on those things. Like, this is, uh, this is, how, this is how I'm helping and benefiting you right. to be Alaska, Alaskan people. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think that it's great that he's doing that, but sometimes it's, it's how you package it. Totally. And, and I know the media is against him. I, I understand that because they're against anybody that's doing anything positive for the people, right? Certainly okay. feels that way. Certainly feels that way. And so, um, yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you coming. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, guys... Uh, again, if you haven't yet, go ahead and check us out on Facebook or, or YouTube. Uh, it's all under Must Read Alaska, one word. And if you want to continue to hear these great interviews, we got Spencer here today. I'm sure he'll be on again soon. Uh, but we, we try to make sure we bring people on that you want to hear from or maybe don't know but have uh, a great 
uh, conservative mindset or, or maybe look at things a little different, go ahead and go to mustreadalaska.com and at the top right you can give us uh, just a little bit of a nod by, by your support. Uh, any little bit counts and helps and we do appreciate all our supporters, listeners and our readers. If you haven't as well, we're on MeWe, Parler, Twitter, uh, what else is there out there? My goodness, there's everything. We're all under the same handle, which is Must Read Alaska, one word. Well, guys, we're done for the week. A 